For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome back, Colts fans. This is the Believe in Indianapolis Colts podcast. I'm your host, Jake Arthur, here on the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. Do you believe? Never miss an episode of the show by subscribing wherever you listen to podcasts. We'd love it if you'd also leave us a five-star rating on iTunes if you're enjoying the show, and always feel free to leave a review as well. Thank you for joining me today on this Halloween edition of Believe in Colts. On today's show, the Colts are back in action after last week's bye. They travel up north to take on Matthew Stafford and the Detroit Lions this week. To help us break down this game, I spoke with Jeff Risden, who covers the Lions for the Lions Wire on USA Today. The Colts are currently 4-2 and and are second in the AFC South behind the 5-1 Tennessee Titans. This week starts a very difficult stretch of games for the Colts, where they take on seven teams who are currently in the playoff hunt. Before we get into this matchup, a word from our sponsors. The NFL season is in full swing. You may not be at the game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. In this Colts Lions matchup, the odds of a defensive or special teams touchdown for either team is at plus 225 odds, so that one is really enticing. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, BetOnline gives you more options to wager than any place online. And there is always the online casino as well. It never closes. So head to BetOnline.ag today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Again, that's BetOnline.ag and sign up today. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. The Colts are looking to build a little momentum now after their Week 6 victory over the Cincinnati Bengals and then a hopefully restful bye week. If they can win this game in Detroit, then they'll be riding high at home at Lucas Oil Stadium next week as they host Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens. But that's putting the cart before the horse a little bit, so to speak. To help us break down this Sunday's matchup with the Lions is a man who is always working and seems to never sleep, Jeff Risden from Lions Wire. Colts fans, we've got Jeff Risden here from the Lions Wire here to break down this Colts and Lions matchup for us this weekend. Jeff, how are you doing, bud? Very good. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Thanks for joining me. I uh, you're you're definitely on my short list of people I wanted to have on here covering the Lions. I had you number one. <laughs> <laughs> um, I appreciate that. Let's uh, let's get into a fun game this week, man. Absolutely. The the Lions have definitely kept it lively. Uh, so they're they're three and three, and they're still technically in the mix in the NFC playoff race. You could say that they've won the games that they should have, even sneaking one against the Cardinals. Uh, is this three and three record truly reflective of what they are as a team, which is kind of just middle of the pack? 
Yeah, they're they're sort of like water finding its level. You know, they they did beat the Cardinals, and and that's their most impressive win. There are other ones, um, and the most recent one was a one point win on the last play of the game against a Falcons team that, that had fired its coach and GM. So they're they're somewhere in that range right there. Their their floor is higher than than a lot of teams that are below them. I'm not sure that their ceiling is as high as some of the teams that are above them. So they're 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 a middle of the pack team, and they're playing like it, and that's uh, that's that's actually better than what they have been under Matt Patricia. And we're, we're sort of hopeful that, you know, the, the ascension here, it's a two game win streak that uh, they can build on that a little bit. Yeah. You mentioned that, that comeback win last week orchestrated, you know, it just with very little time left and no timeouts by Matt Stafford. Uh, I am very pro Matt Stafford. So I'm all for letting people tell us about how good he is. Uh, what's his argument for being a top 10 or so quarterback in the NFL? You know, his ability to put balls into tight windows repeatedly and consistently, and it's it's essentially the design of the offense because uh, their wide receivers, Kenny Galladay and Marvin Jones, they're good in their own rights. They're both in the bottom five in average separation per route run, uh, and Stafford still gets the ball to them. He has incredible trust and just the ability to, to sizzle balls through very tight windows that other quarterbacks aren't even going to try. In the past, it's also gotten him into some trouble too. He 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 does trust the arm a little bit too much at times, but man, he's got, you know, I, I tell the story. You go out to, to to Lions training camp, and you watch him throwing back and forth, and you know he's had a, a whole variety of backups. But I'll go back to when he had uh, Kellen Moore and Dan Orlovsky as his backups, and he would throw the ball after they did on the little ten yard throws, and the ball would get there before, just in ten yards. That's that's his incredible arm strength. Um, he's improved as an athlete. He, he runs the ball better now. He's he's a little bit more of a threat to take off and, and tuck and run. And he's uh, got total command. If you if you saw the end of the Falcons game, you know that there was very little doubt in, in most Lions fans' minds. Okay, we got this. You know, <laughs> they, they, he's he's so cool under pressure. He is. He, I don't want to call him Captain Comeback on a Colt show, but he's got a lot of that that <laughs> that personality to him. <laughs> yeah, he. He's got a special live arm. You know, you see guys like him and Patrick Mahomes, and you can clearly see their baseball background. They just almost have that shortstop flip to their release, and it's the zip on it and the accuracy is just incredible. And uh, I remember the the Lions came down here for a joint training camp uh, a few years ago down at the Colts facility, and it, it when, when you watched Matt Stafford versus the Colts quarterbacks out there, because I believe it was when Scott Tolzien was was leading the way for the Colts, it was night and day. Uh, yeah, <laughs> him and, and Marvin Jones. I think Golden Tate was still out there. They they just cooked the. Yep that that was, uh, it was that was 2016. Ugly. Yeah, yep. <laughs> that was that was a fun trip. I was down there for a couple of those days. That was a fun one. <laughs> yeah, not not pretty at all. And you mentioned Kenny Galladay, uh, the lack of separation, things like that. You watch the highlights and you can see he makes spectacular plays. Last week watching the game, it was just every time it was thrown to him is something big. Uh, but, you know, separation is a big deal. Where does he lie among the league's top receivers? And, and this is the this is the debate that we have in Lions land, and it's a fierce one. Um, he's really, really good at what he does, but what he does, he is a quarterback dependent receiver to some extent and that he has to have a, a quarterback who's going to trust him to go get the ball um, because he does not get separation. I, I believe his, his average yards per separation is down to 2.1. Uh, 
Um, he was the eighth worst wide receiver in the league, and I can't imagine it being better after what Atlanta did to him. But then again, he makes the spectacular catches routinely. He's got an incredible catch radius. He's really, really strong at the point of attack. You don't see him lose jump balls at all. It's uh, it, it's tough to evaluate how he fits. Like we just watched him play Julio Jones, and he's not Julio Jones. He's clearly not DeAndre Hopkins or Devonte Adams or on that level. But it's also he's what he does is so skill specific and it's such a perfect fit for Detroit uh, and Matthew Stafford and what he can do, you know, like I talked about with the, the, the small windows and the confidence in that, that it, it probably makes him look a little bit better than he actually is, but man, he's, he and Stafford, when they're dealing, it's, it's a lot of fun to watch and it's very, very difficult to stop because he's really, really good at shielding the defender off um, whether the throws in front of him, behind him, above him, below him, he, he's got incredible body control and strength on that, that. That makes it very difficult to get around. And uh, you know, it, it is how their offense is styled, and he's he's a great fit for it. Yeah, so it's like he he's basically mastered his craft at what he does specifically, but doesn't necessarily bring that that whole. Yeah, he, he he's not a big yards after the catch guy. He's not a guy who's going to get elite speed off the line. He's not going to beat you over the top. Um, doesn't really work all that well over the middle. He he works really well on, on the outside jump balls and things like that, but uh, there might not be anybody better than him at that. Um, but, but he is somewhat limited to that lesser role. He, you know, he's not your dynamic, you know, number one guy all over the field. So I was looking at uh, the numbers between Xavier Rhodes and Kenny Galladay over the last couple of years. And Rhodes, of course, had, had struggled in his, his last couple of years with the Vikings, but he's done surprisingly well. Uh, it, it's almost like Xavier Rhodes is the cornerback counterpart to Kenny Galladay. Uh, he's, you know, he he's is. That, he, that, that, <laughs> exactly. That physical style that he plays um, and the fact that he's not, he doesn't fear it. You know, he, he doesn't mind going up against that. He He's a very good foil. That's going to be a fun matchup to watch. Yeah, that's definitely one I've, I've got circled out there. And still speaking of this, this Lions offense, they might eventually get to run the ball a little more than we're used to seeing. Uh, DeAndre Swift is is a very talented back. Adrian Peterson looks like he's done an okay job, but no pun intended. Uh, when when does uh, DeAndre Swift start to get the lion's share of the looks back there? Uh, he has taken over the last really week and a half. Uh, there's there's a definite downward slope to Adrian Peterson's yards per carry and his ability to make the first tackler miss. Um, and he's, he keeps sliding down that. I think he was at 2.7 yards per carry last week. Mm-hmm. Um, the lions are fairly predictable in that when he's in the game, they're going to give him the ball. So there's a lot of, of things conspiring with that. Swift is a very good receiver out of the backfield. Um, although he's most famous for or most around the NFL for dropping the touchdown pass that would have beaten the bears in week one mm-hmm. uh, beyond that, he's been a good receiver. Uh, and he, he has the ability to go outside. Um, he has the ability to, to break off an inside run and get outside uh, much faster than Peterson does. So uh, he is certainly taking over the, the number one role. Uh, Matt Patricia, the head coach, has been asked about it in his press conferences the last couple of weeks, and he's sort of waffled. He, he's, he's very diplomatic about that. He, he's the master of the filibuster answer and that he'll talk for five minutes and not say anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's done that very well in both instances when, when he's been asked that very question. So uh, expect to see more of Swift, but Peterson is still a, a featured part of the offense. He's going to get his carries, uh, especially on first down when he's in the game, and he's he's still got something. Uh, he's he's much more of a product of the blocking in front of him than he used to be, but you know he's 
he's still capable. He, he got, was, I think it was 93 yards in, in week one. Uh, and he still has the ability to make defenders look stupid if they try to go high on him. Uh, so he, it's, it's not that he's, he's not a great weapon anymore, but, but Swift is clearly the, the, the better runner right now. And don't forget about carry on Johnson. He is the best pass protecting block back in the league. Um, pro football focus will tell you that football outsiders will tell you that. And anybody who's watched the Lions will tell you that he has a role in there too. He doesn't get the ball that much anymore, but uh, he also figures prominently in the backfield. Yeah, it's, it can be frustrating when there's a rookie out there who, who's doing a, a good job and the coaches just don't seem to want to put him out there. And it seems like Swift is kind of trending in that direction the last couple of weeks of getting used more. He is, yeah. He did yeah. he did miss a blitz pickup in the last game that caused a, a sack. Um, it was actually the fastest sack recorded on the year. Uh, so he, <laughs> he's right. got some work to do. Um, he's had two passes that have hit him in the back because he wasn't ready for the ball. So th- there's there's still there's still some work to be done with DeAndre Swift, but he's he's certainly trending in the right direction. Yeah, last week against the Falcons, uh, there were times when Atlanta wasn't bringing extra blitzers when Stafford actually seemed to have quite a bit of time to throw. Has that been a trend throughout this year? Is that is that what his pass protection is normally like? Yeah, he, he, the the offensive line for the Lions has been one of the most improved units around. Uh, Taylor Decker got paid this offseason the left tackle, and he's playing to the potential um, that they that he he's having his best year. He was a first round pick in 2016. Bob Quinn, the general manager's first pick. This is his best season. He looks really, really good. He has ironed out the inconsistencies in his play. He's been just great. Frank Ragnow is one of the best centers in the league. It's very difficult to beat him off the snap. Uh, and, and they've built around that. Jonah Jackson is the rookie. He's playing left guard primarily. He's been solid. He did not have a good week last week, but beyond that, he's been good. Uh, and, you know, really, the, they do a, a pretty good job of getting the ball out quickly when they're going to be under a pass rush. Uh, the Bears, you guys, you guys know, you played them. They got a good pass rush. One of yeah. the things that they did was they sped up the clock for Stafford to get the ball out. So there's there's that awareness with him, too, that uh, – you know, because he doesn't have receivers that get open or require, you know, a lot of time to get open, they're just not going to get there. Um, it, it allows him also to mitigate some Hal Vitae at right. He's playing, well, he's playing right guard right now, even though he was signed to play right tackle. Uh, and Tyrell Crosby actually has been pretty good at right tackle, keeping him there. But uh, the right side is iffy. If you can get there quickly and attack, especially the inside shoulders of either of those guys, uh, the Lions do have some vulnerability there, but uh, again, they're smart enough to get the ball out of Stafford's hands quickly. Yeah, it, so- it sounds like if uh, something Colts fans have kind of been looking at the last couple of weeks is Tyquan Lewis potentially getting more snaps at the Colts left end. Uh, Danico Autry has been all right, but Lewis is really kind of coming on. He had some impressive times as a rookie. Last year was almost just a complete throwaway year. Uh, he had this injury that just he was never right after it, but it looks like he's kind of picking up where he left off as a rookie. Uh, so that's, that's definitely encouraging if, if he gets more snaps at left end that he could maybe take advantage of that right side of the, the Lions offensive line. Yeah, that's where the vulnerability is. And uh, the, the tight ends, TJ Hawkinson is really coming on as a receiver. Uh, he's still not a great blocker and Jesse James um, while he's better than he was last year, when I would argue he was the worst tight end in, in pro football, um, he's still not an asset. So uh, the, there's, there's not a lot of blocking tight end help either if they do wind up uh, getting, getting a favorable matchup there on the right side. Well, that's encouraging. Uh, as for the, the flip side uh, for the Lions, their pass rushes, it seems like 
defensively it seems like something that we say it's a need every year it's okay you you, yeah. you can laugh at them it's good it's okay so it's still not great so it's yeah so i mean romeo aquara makes some some nice plays uh, unfortunately his brother doesn't seem like he's making too many splashes yet um but are, are we still kind of in that no man's land for pass rush as far as the lions go yeah, so they do not blitz much, and they don't scheme a lot. They are a straightforward four-man rush. Um, okay, they do rush four a lot more than they did last year. Last year, they they got into the habit of rushing three, and it was really bad. They have been better since their bye. They've had two games since the bye. Aquara got two sacks last week. He's winning a lot. He's not a finisher, though, and the problem is, is that they don't have that guy on the other side who's also a good finisher or a good instigator. Trey Flowers is a fantastic football player, but if he's your best pass rusher, you're not going to have a good pass rush. He, he's he's so good at bullying guys around, um, at, at snuffing out runs. He is he's deaf to screen passes. Uh, if the screen, <laughs> if you're trying to look out to to throw some swings to Naheem Hines or something like that, he's going to be there. Uh, so uh, th- he's really good at that, but he's not a guy who generates a lot of sizzle. They don't have any speed rushers. Julian Okora, unfortunately, is on IR right at the moment. He's he he went down uh, in week six, so uh, th- they're missing that element. They do blitz a little bit with Jared Davis, uh, the linebacker who has never really found a home. He m- might have found a home as a designated a gap pass rusher, and he's shown a little bit of propensity to do that. Uh, they have brought Tracy Walker off the edge uh, the, as sort of an edge safety at times, and that's been effective. But by and large, it's a very vanilla pass rush. Um, and against a good good offensive line like the Colts, one that, that communicates well the way that they do, you're going to have some time for Phillip Rivers to operate. That's that Honestly, from the, the Lions' standpoint, that's probably the biggest worry is that the pass rush just will be ineffective and and you know the coverage is solid but if you're given if you're giving anybody time they're going to pick it apart and, and you give philip rivers and the receivers that he's got time um that that that's a big worry from our standpoint on the detroit side yeah it sounds like that's kind of what's helped lend some abilities for opponents to use play action against them it looked like atlanta did a pretty decent job of that last week with play action um, yeah, I mean, they did. And that's, and they, uh, the, the safety play has been better. Um, now that Will Harris doesn't play as much, but they are still vulnerable to the, the, the especially the quick pop pass off the play action, you know, hitting your tight end coming out after a, a short release or, you know, a, a tight end circle or, a, or a, an Eagle route or something like that. They, they are still very vulnerable to that. Gotcha. Yeah. Trey, Trey Burton's been coming on lately with Phillip Rivers. So when I was watching that and I was watching Hayden Hurst specifically in that first half last week, I said, you know, this, this could be a really nice Trey Burton game for the Colts next week. Yeah. He, yeah. He's, he's definitely come on from uh, when I, when I watched him in Philadelphia. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. And then behind that, that Lions pass rush, a, a couple of young corners I really liked when they were coming out, uh, Jeff Okuda and Amani Oruwarie. Uh, that's that's their two outside starters still. Is that correct? Yes, they are. And, and thank you for saying Oruwariye correctly. You're one of the few. <laughs> well, I wrote I wrote that name a lot when he was coming out. So I don't know. He has been really, really good. He is their number one corner, even though he's not. Okuda was the number three overall pick. He's a rookie. He looks like a rookie cornerback. Mm-hmm. Um, we've, we've, every team has gone through that. You You know what the deal is. Um, they are both really good in run defense and run support, and that's that seems unusual to say that leading off about the cornerbacks, but that's what they're really, really good at. They are okay in man coverage, 
neither of them can turn and flip the hips and run with speed. And that's, that's been a little bit of an issue, but Oruwariye, tough, physical, smart. He can click and close. Uh, doesn't really have many plays on the ball yet, but uh, he, he's a good one. He's a keeper. He is a, a legit NFL starter and they got him in the fourth round a couple of years ago. He's been a really, really pleasant development. Uh, he, he actually had probably his worst game against Atlanta. So if you watch that game, he tackles a lot better than that normally. Yeah. <laughs> I think he missed three tackles in that game. He's really good. Okuda is, I believe he is PFF's top graded tackler as a cornerback, uh, which is pretty good. He has he has had trouble being tentative in coverage. He will he will he he's one of those guys. He needs to peek at the quarterback, and he hasn't mastered yet that the NFL is that much faster than if when he peeks. Oh, oh, he's gone now. Where, where'd he go? He's, he's ironing through that. He's getting better by the week, but he's still a rookie cornerback, but yeah, the, the, the future is very bright with that. Uh, the other side of that is they have been playing more zone too, to sort of help him out. And it has really helped uh, the entire defense. Really. It's helped the pass rush more than anything because uh, it's taking away the easy reads uh, and the quick defeats on the outside. So uh, they're working with it. They're figuring out what's comfortable so far, you know, most Lions fans will tell you that Okuda has been a bit of a disappointment thus far, uh, but they also, um, I'll go back to Darius Slay, who was here. Uh, he got benched as a rookie um, and deserved it and came back with a fury and became one of the best corners in the league. And, and so we're all hoping that that arc continues with Mr. Okuda. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, just, just a handful of games and I, I, it's, it's great to hear about uh, Oruwarie, but yeah, I, I think with Okuda, that it, it's definitely encouraging to hear that he's kind of getting better each week, but that's not, not being someone who's seen every week. I, I, you know, I'm sure he's not one to worry about. No, no, no. He's, I mean, there, there are things he definitely has to work on and, and needs to get better at and the, the sooner the better, but uh, uh, only fools are writing them off such far. Yeah. Um, so the, the Colts are kind of narrow favorites in this one, as we stand here on, on Tuesday, uh, but how do you see this one playing out on Sunday? You know, it, it's an interesting one because uh, I think the Colts offensive line as a strength um, should have an advantage uh, because the, the Lions run defense outside of the Atlanta game has been poor. I, I know Jonathan Taylor has, has taken a little bit of criticism and I've, I've given it to him that he hasn't necessarily maximized the runs like I would like to see him do. This is a good week for him to prove that he can you know, have that second level vision and, and make guys miss in space and, and, and get forward and break off some big runs. Uh, the, just the, the whole blocking scheme, it, it's a good setup. The flip side is, is that I do think that the, the Lions pass offense is coming around. Uh, I, I know the Colts have, have the linebackers. I, I love Bobby Okariki aside from, you know, <laughs> uh, Leonard and, and I even like Anthony Walker, mm-hmm. uh, but the, the, they're going to find some, some holes they're going to, and, and protecting Stafford is key. I, I think it's going to be probably a little bit more of an offensive game than, than what I think. I believe the over under is, is right around 50 or 51. And, and I think it might actually go over that because uh, I do think that both offenses are going to find some success. Uh, it, if it comes down to a shootout, it's going to be a lot of fun because man rivers is good in the clutch and, and Stafford there there's, there's nobody I'd rather have leading a, a game winning drive. Uh, so it, I, I think it's a tight game. I think, I think it's going to be one of those, you know, if they played 50 times, each team's winning 25, uh, home field, not really much of an advantage with no, no real fan involvement. So, uh, 
it's a tight one. It, it, this is one of those uh, at the beginning of the season you go through and you do the schedule game. You, 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 oh, they're going to win this one. They're going to lose this one. This was one of those. It's like, ah, I could go in, go in either column. And I think for both teams, I think both teams will probably still see it that way. This is one of those that's a, a real close competitive game. It should be a fun one to watch play out. Yeah, absolutely. After what the Colts have kind of allowed the last couple weeks, um, they they totally failed to arrive in the first half against the Browns and the Bengals. And I would take Stafford over both of those quarterbacks. You know, he, he's got the tools right now. So it's not like his cupboard is bare. So I think if the Colts can get Darius Leonard back, that's enormous for the defense. Maybe it means they settle in quicker and don't have to make so many halftime adjustments. Um, but no, I, I, I really see this be a, being a fun one to watch. Uh, both both teams play a lot of zone, like you said. So there could be a lot of, of passing yards in this one. Uh, I know Colts really want Jonathan Taylor's big breakout to come. Uh, it's what everyone thought against the Bengals. And then the Bengals came out and, and went up 21-0 and then plans had to change. So, um, Yeah, that sort of throws your can – I, can I ask you a question about the Colts? Absolutely. How are your special teams working? Uh, pretty well. Uh, there's, a, there's a couple younger guys who have been um, kind of coverage guys who have done really well, George Odom and uh, – and Jordan Glasgow rookie. But as for like the specialists, uh, Rodrigo Blankenship has done really well. Um, the, the Colts have been pretty bad in the red zone. So Blankenship gets a lot of kicks. Uh, most, it sounds mo- like the Lions. The Lions have one of yeah. the worst red zone conversion rates too. Exactly. It really is. A, there's a lot of mirror imagery between these two teams and, and where they're at. Yeah, there really is. I mean, last year the Colts kicking game was a nightmare because Vinatieri yeah. just was hurt and he could go three, four games in a row and look beautiful and then have another three, four games where he'll miss almost every other kick. Uh, Blankenship's doing his job. I, I think he's only missed two kicks. Most of them have come within 40 yards. Uh, just a few have been beyond. Uh, but he's doing exactly what they, they've asked for him to do. Um, Rigoberto Sanchez is quietly one of the best punters in the league. Uh, he's not one of the power guys, but he's he's got a lot of finesse to his kicks. Uh, puts puts a lot of them deep in, in, the, uh, in the opponent's territory where they can be downed inside the 20. So um, specialist-wise, special teams is, is pretty good. That's that's interesting because the uh, Lions fandom has been waiting for Jamal Agnew to break one off as a return man. He hasn't really done that yet, mm-hmm. uh, and he's gotten a little bit more conservative in his decision making. So it sounds like uh, he won't get the chance to do that this week, which is a little frustrating. And that yeah that 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 takes a, a potential asset away from from the Lions. So uh, if if you're doing that, you know, on the swing, the pendulum just went a little bit to the Colts for me. <laughs> yeah, the, the Colts cover kicks really well, so I wouldn't I wouldn't count on that. Um, Bubba Ventrone, their special teams coordinator, that's been something uh, that that's been a feather in their cap since he's come on. Is their coverage units have been pretty good. But that is all I've got for you today, Jeff. Uh, thanks so much for right. for hooking up with us here, and good luck to you guys on Sunday. My pleasure. It should be a fun game to watch. Absolutely. Have a good one. Thanks. Thanks again to Jeff for his time and some great insight on the Lions, which is a team that we don't really see a whole lot of here at uh, in Colts Nation. Please follow Jeff's work at lionswire.com and also follow him on Twitter at Jeff Risden. As for this game, uh, the Colts, of course, are returning from their bye week and they should be getting some much welcomed assistance that trickles in over the next few weeks. 
Linebacker Darius Leonard is back at practice this week after a groin injury sidelined him for the last two and a half games. Uh, he was a limited participant Wednesday and then a full go on Thursday. Hopefully if he can come back, then the Colts defense will get a little more juice and avoid another groggy start on Sunday like they've had in their last two games. Rookie wide receiver Michael Pittman Jr. and defensive end Kamoko Toure both also returned to practice this week. Pittman is on IR with a calf injury after undergoing a procedure for compartment syndrome immediately after the Jets game in week three. Uh, who knows if he'll be ready this week and if he'll be activated yet. Colts head coach Frank Reich was a little noncommittal on a timeline there. Uh, Toure is on the physically unable to perform list after suffering a season-ending ankle injury last year in week five against the Chiefs. Uh, Reich said recently that Toure will likely need a couple of weeks of practice before he's ready to go, although that timetable could be accelerated or slowed down depending on Toure's progress, and that goes for Pittman as well. As for other Colts injuries, tight end Mo Alley-Cox returned to the practice field in a limited capacity on Thursday uh, after he missed week six with a knee injury and also missed Wednesday's practice this week. Starting center Ryan Kelly missed practice on Thursday with a knee injury after being a limited participant on Wednesday. If he's out of practice on Friday, we'll probably have to start looking at a possible replacement for this game on Sunday. Uh, as far as the depth chart, depth chart goes, that's rookie Danny Penter out of Ball State. If he has to go, I expect him to play better than a fifth-round rookie would. He's known to be an incredibly fast learner who adapts quickly. Uh, so he probably will have his rookie moments out there, but also be able to handle his own all at the same time. As for roster moves this week, uh, the Colts signed veteran defensive end Cassius Marsh to the practice squad. Again, he's a veteran who started 9 of 88 career games, and he has 14 sacks to his name. They also signed cornerback Will Sunderland to the practice squad and released linebacker Najee Good from the practice squad. Sunderland was an undrafted rookie free agent this spring out of Troy, uh, and that's after he transferred from Oklahoma earlier in college. He's a big-bodied corner at 6'2", 196 pounds. On the depth chart, wide receiver Marcus Johnson also officially became listed as a starter next to T.Y. Hilton and Zach Paschal. Offensively for the Colts, when you look at the passing game, I think it's totally feasible that they have another productive game through the air. We saw it when they absolutely had to have it in week six, but will we see it as something that they know they can be successful with moving forward, or is it just something that they know that they can do if needed? Uh, the, the play calling has been very unpredictable so far, so really no one can say yes or no either way. Regardless, Detroit's pass rush is not great, and they're susceptible to being attacked with play action. So, especially if the Colts can establish the run early on, uh, they could really get, pick up some chunk plays through play action. As for that run game, do we finally get our big Jonathan Taylor game? If Detroit doesn't jump out to a big lead, then I think that's totally possible that we get a big game from the rookie. Uh, he's been getting better each week in terms of his vision, power, and contact balance. I also think that they need to keep passing the ball to him because good things keep happening when they do it. If you look at the Packers' Aaron Jones in Week 2, he had 236 yards of offense and three touchdowns against the Lions. Alvin Kamara also had 119 yards of offense and a touchdown. 
So running backs can be productive against Detroit without it, without it all being on the ground. As for the defense, uh, the Colts just have to flex their advantages. They've got the really good defensive line led by DeForest Buckner. Matt Stafford's protection has been pretty decent, but there's been examples this season of teams getting after him. Uh, his receivers don't get separation, so the Colts cornerbacks really need to make sure that they're breaking up those 50-50 balls because uh, both Marvin Jones and Kenny Galladay can can go and put guys on a poster. A specific example is Colts cornerback Xavier Rhodes versus Kenny Galladay. Uh, in three career games when Rhodes was with the Vikings, Galladay was targeted nine times when covered by Rhodes, and he only caught three of those for 31 yards. Galladay only had two yards after catch from that, and Rhodes picked off one of the other six targets. Uh, so Rhodes has had a lot of success in the past. And as for running the ball, the Lions were just okay on the ground. They rank 18th with 108.5 yards per game. Uh, that could start to tick upward if they continue to give rookie DeAndre Swift more carries rather than Adrian Peterson, who is 35 years old and just doesn't have the same pop that Swift does anymore. That's another one where I would give the advantage to the Colts. Now looking at fantasy stuff for this week. Of course, I'm going to tell you to go check out my weekly Colts fantasy preview on allcolts.com. Uh, but for those of you who just prefer the sweet sounds of my voice, uh, I chose Jonathan Taylor, Trey Burton, and the Colts defense and special teams this week as the three primary starts. Uh, as for Taylor, we've already kind of touched on it. Uh, but in the, in the Colts, three consecutive ones that they had between weeks two to four, Taylor averaged 20 touches in those games for 83.7 yards of offense and scored twice. He's only touched the ball 30 total times in the two games since, but his yards per touch is up to 6.3 in that time as opposed to 4.2 in those three games prior. As for Trey Burton, his targets have remained high and steady for a tight end, and his production is going up each week as he and Rivers continue to form chemistry. I especially like him after I watched Hayden Hurst against the Lions last week. Also, uh, in terms of the Colts' defense and special teams, uh, there, there's really nothing to hate about Detroit's offense. This is more about the Colts than it is them. The Colts might be getting Darius Leonard back, and they rank in the top five in total defense, pass defense, run defense, scoring allowed, interceptions, safeties, and defense and special teams touchdowns. And I say top five, but I'm being generous on a lot of those because they're top three in a good chunk of those. Also, if you follow that weekly Colts fantasy piece, you see that I kind of dabble in some stuff across the league as well. Uh, that includes three boom or bust candidates each throughout the league. Uh, the, boom, the boom guys are projected outside of the top ten in the weekly fantasy pros rankings that week, but I think they could outperform. And the busts are guys who are inside the top 15 rankings, but I think could possibly underperform. This week, my booms are Chiefs running back Clyde Edwards-Alaire versus the Jets, Eagles running back Boston Scott versus the Cowboys if Miles Sanders remains out, uh, in which case I'll say Miles Sanders, uh, and then Vikings wide receiver Justin Jefferson versus the Packers. Jefferson, if if you're like me and you've got Jefferson in multiple leagues, he's become a must-start each week. Uh, he's he's had a few just totally explosive performances, and I really don't see how you don't keep him locked into that starting lineup each week. 
As for the potential busts this week, uh, Cowboys running back Ezekiel Elliott versus the Eagles, Seahawks wide receiver Tyler Lockett versus the 49ers, and Lions wide receiver Kenny Galladay against the Colts. And then you see I also do a section where I tell you some of the guys I'm adding through the waiver wire each week. These guys are owned in 40% or less of Yahoo Leagues. Uh, This week, it's Giants wide receiver Sterling Shepard, Titans wide receiver Corey Davis, Dolphins quarterback Tua Tonga-Vailoa, Jets running back LaMichael Pirine, and Colts wide receiver Michael Pittman Jr. And now it's time to answer the questions that you all had for me on Twitter this week. First up is from Andrew Miller. He said, why is Jack Doyle running less routes and blocking more? He used to be a top receiving tight end for us, and he has like seven receptions this year, especially for a quarterback in Phillip Rivers who loves tight ends. Uh, To that, I'm going to say it's not that Jack isn't reliable because we all know that he is, but he's got a brand new quarterback this year. Rivers came in with no favorites. Meanwhile, Andrew Luck and Jacoby Brissett kind of grew as quarterbacks with Doyle right there for years. I think Mo Cox and Trey Burton are just more familiar type tight ends for Rivers. Uh, They're just similar to to the guys that he's played with before, and they're more capable of picking up yards after the catch than Jack is. Uh, Doyle is also needed more as a blocker. According to Pro Football Focus, he's a top 10 pass blocker at tight end in the NFL this year, and that's been a theme for him throughout his career. Uh, They've they've faced some good pass blockers, pass rushers throughout the season so that kind of leans into it as well but I think it was just time for for Mo Alley Cox and as we've seen obviously Trey Burton uh, just to get more run as receivers because they just offer a little more than Jack does next up Andrew had another question uh, same with Landon Nobles he had this same question uh, and, and it's basically what do we envision the Colts are going to do at the trade deadline Uh, So the trade deadline is next Tuesday, November 3rd. I think overall across the league, we'll see fewer trades due to COVID protocols. Uh, I think it's more likely that the Colts stay put during the deadline than anything else. Uh, The biggest exception, in my opinion, is if a a quarterback needy team comes calling for Jacoby Brissett. However, Chris Ballard isn't just going to give away uh, Brissett for anything. He, he's not going to give him to a team with a crappy situation. Uh, he's going to have to have good coaching or management, uh, good weapons, good line, something. He's not just going to send him to no man's land. Uh, and the Colts also would need to have a, a plan at backup quarterback in case Philip Rivers got hurt. I really don't think they would be comfortable turning it over to Jacob Eason yet. So, you know, the, the Colts need Jacoby Brissett as bad as other teams do this year, to be honest with you. Uh, I also think that Marlon Mack and Malik Hooker being hurt also makes it less likely that the Colts make a deal. Uh, those were a couple of guys who might have been nice trade targets for other teams. Uh, you know, going into the final years of their contracts, but now they're both hurt. And obviously teams are would would rather wait until free agency and getting them in the building and checking out their health before doing anything with them. If the Colts were to do anything hypothetically, I would imagine it would just be acquiring a draft pick for a player that another team really wanted. Next question is from Jason Sanders. Uh, He said, do you think Chris Ballard is willing to give up two first round picks or more to move up next year to get the quarterback that he wants? 
that is a whole lot of draft capital. But if it was going to be for any position, it'd likely be for a quarterback. At the same time, I'm not really sure that Ballard and the Colts would want to sink that much investment into one position unless they felt it was their last piece to a Super Bowl. Uh, They are more interested in building a complete team and not making it just about one position. So giving up that much critical draft capital just to one position kind of goes against what they would normally do. Uh, Last question is from Brett Olds. He said, after the first seven weeks of the NFL season, do you see any glaring holes in this Colts roster that needs to be addressed either in free agency or the draft this coming offseason? I don't see anything that's like immediately pressing. However, you can definitely see there's things that need to be addressed in the offseason. I think they definitely need to address having more outside pass rushers. Uh, Justin Houston is going to be 32 in the offseason, and he's your top one. Ben Banigou hasn't done anything this year, and Kamoko Ture is a big question mark as well. And not that you can completely write him off, but if you're looking at your roster right now, really your only outside pass rusher is Justin Houston, so they have to do something there. Uh, They also need to figure something out at left tackle because we all know Anthony Costanzo's days are numbered, after he seriously contemplated retirement over the offseason. So that's not a position you don't want to have a plan at. So they're, they've they got to figure something out there. And then, of course, they need to know what's going on at quarterback. They need to figure that out. Does Rivers do enough in 2020 to earn one more year? Uh, there also still needs to be young competition added to push Jacob Eason because they didn't get to learn much about Eason during the offseason since there was no offseason and there was no preseason. That's it for questions. Thank you guys so much. And with that, I bid you all adieu. Thanks for being with me today, everyone. Please remember to subscribe to the show and rate us on iTunes. We can be found on iTunes and Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Luminary, and more. Be sure to follow the show on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Believe in Colts, and me personally at Jake Arthur NFL on Twitter and Facebook, as well as Jake Arthur underscore on Instagram. My written work can be found on Sports Illustrated at AllColts.com. If you have any questions that you'd like me to answer on the show, please send them to me through email at BelieveInColts at gmail.com or respond when I send out the call for questions on Twitter. This episode was brought to you by Bet Online. If you're interested in advertising on the show, please contact Believe at Believe.com. Colts fans, you'll hear from us again in a few days after the Colts and Lions game on Sunday afternoon. Have a great weekend and an especially great Halloween. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call. 
ClickGranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.